Hey there, I'm Lauren Hicks, pastor of Pacific Christian Center in Santa Maria, California. Thank you for joining us for today's podcast. It's my prayer that this message strengthens your faith and draws you closer to God. Now enjoy today's message. Aren't you glad you came to church today? By the way, we were just singing about our testimony. Oh, I thought you might agree with that. <laughs> you know, it's more than words on a screen. It's more than lyrics to a song. We sang, there was a time when the wind blew in my life. And there was a time when the rain came down. But my house stood firm because it was built on a foundation. There were some storms that came in my life. There were some times when the wind blew hard and we didn't know if we were gonna make it through, but because we built our life on a foundation, and that foundation is Jesus, by the way, we endured the storm. How many of you have a testimony like that? Anybody have a testimony like that? And maybe you're going through a storm right now and maybe the wind of adversity is blowing in your life. Maybe you feel like, oh, it just keeps raining and it just keeps pouring on my life. It feels like it's one storm after another storm. If your life is built on Jesus, if he is your foundation, friend, you're gonna be all right. You're gonna be all right. What a testimony we have. What a testimony we have. How blessed we are to know Jesus, how blessed we are to serve the Lord today. God is so faithful to us. God is so good to us. Can you say amen, everybody? God is so good. I'm so glad to see you here today. Thank you for joining us this morning. Welcome everybody to Pacific Christian Center. So honored to have you here today. And I noticed some guests here in the service today. And we especially wanna thank you for coming today. Can we just give our guests a hand, everybody? Welcome, so happy to have you. So honored to have you here today. And we want you to know that there is a place for you here at Pacific Christian Center is a place for you in the Pacific Christian family, a place to grow, a place to learn, a place to discover, a place to use your God-given talents and abilities, a place to, to have ministry and to be a blessing with your life. So we want you to know there's a place for you here. There's a lot coming up here in this Christmas season, and we want you to jump right in. We want you to be a part of it. We want you to experience Jesus this Christmas season. You know, Christmas time is a busy, you didn't know that, but Christmas time is a busy time. Christmas is a busy season of the year. And if we're not careful, we get caught up in all the festivities of Christmas and all the Christmas parties and all the gatherings and the gifts and the food and all that goes on in our culture with Christmas and we just might miss Jesus. We just might miss Christ. We might miss the reason for Christmas. I still believe, I know it's a cliche, but I still believe Jesus is the reason for Christmas. Anybody believe that? I believe that. By the way, it's, uh, can I just give you permission? It's okay to say Merry Christmas, everybody. Did it's, it's okay to say that. Uh, I, I know some folks out there say we're not supposed to say that, but uh, I'm sorry, I'm gonna say it anyway. So it's everywhere I go and every chance I get, we're gonna do that. We're excited this morning to begin a new message series, a new sermon series called Searching for Christmas. And we're going to discover over the next few weeks together, we're going to discover the true meaning of Christmas. And you're going to experience it, I believe it. And maybe you're here today and you've never truly experienced Christmas. You're going to experience it this year. I believe 
And maybe you do not know Christ as Savior and Lord. You've not experienced the joy that we were singing about this morning. You've never experienced the Prince of Peace. Maybe you've experienced all the worldly or earthly trappings of the holiday, but you've never truly experienced Christmas. We're going to talk about Jesus over the next few. Is it okay with you if we talk about Jesus in the month of December, everybody? Is that all right? I thought it'd be okay with you, so I just planned this sermon anyway, so... I hope you brought a Bible with us to, with you today, whether in print form or digital form. Uh, here at Pacific Christian Center, we always preach from the Bible on Sunday mornings, and so we want to invite you to turn to your Bible. Turn with me today in the New Testament to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, that's the fourth uh, account of the Gospel. You know, sometimes we call these uh, gospels, but the truth is there's only one gospel. Amen, everybody. <laughs> there's only one gospel. But we have in the New Testament four eyewitness accounts of the life, ministry, teaching of Jesus, his death, his resurrection, the promise of his return. And uh, we have four eyewitness accounts. We have four people telling the story based on what they saw, what they experienced with the life of Jesus. And John is the fourth account. And we're going to read together in just a moment from the first chapter of the Gospel of John, the first 14 verses of, of Scripture. But I'm starting this message series with a conviction. You know, a conviction is a strongly held belief. How many of you have some convictions in your life? We need to be people. I think of conviction. That, that means we need to know what we believe. That means sometimes we need to learn to take a stand based on what we believe. You need to have some firm felt, uh, firm uh, convictions in your heart and life. And I hope that the scripture informs and instructs the convictions that you have. But one of the convictions uh, that I have is that Jesus satisfies every desire of our lives. That there's not one need that you have in your life that Jesus can't meet. There's not one deep desire, not one longing of your life that you have to go out into the world to try to find the solution to that or the satisfaction for that. I'm here to tell you this morning, Jesus can meet every need in your life. Every need. He can meet it all. In our humanity, we are desperately seeking. We are desperately searching. And we see evidence of this all around us. We're guilty of it ourselves. It's a part of our story. It's a part of our humanity is that we see in our culture people searching, searching, looking, trying to find things like acceptance. People are searching for significance, wanting to know that there's a reason for their earthly existence, wanting there to be a reason for their life. They're looking for significance. Some are searching for contentment. It's if I could just find some peace, if I could find some contentment in my life, people are searching for that. How about identity? Have you noticed in this generation, people are searching for identity, a confusion about who they are, a misunderstanding about who God has created them to be. Jesus can meet the need for our identity. Many are searching for approval from others. Everybody's looking for happiness. We are seeking, we are searching not long ago, I read a story about John D. Rockefeller. He lived in the year, from the year 1839 to the year 1937, and he was a very wealthy, in fact, one of the wealthiest businessmen of the 20th century, and he made a fortune starting the Standard Oil Company. But when he was a young man, just starting out in business, a close friend of his asked him, he said, man, it's so exciting you're starting this new business. What are your goals? What are your dreams, John? What do you want to accomplish? How much money would you like to make? And John said, in my lifetime, I want to make a million dollars. At that time, that seemed like a fortune to Rockefeller to make a million dollars. But if you know the story of his life, he not only made one million, he made a lot of millions in his life. But when he finally reached that first million, 
He was celebrating with his friend who'd asked him uh, years earlier, uh, what do you want to make? How much money do you want to make? And after he'd made his first million, his friend asked him, he said, now that you've made a million dollars, your goals surely have changed. How much money do you want to make now? And Rockefeller's response is classic now. He said, I just want to make another million. I want to make another million. You see, for Rockefeller, there was no amount of money that he could earn and be satisfied. No matter how much he had, no matter how much he earned, he still wanted to make more. And it helps us understand that satisfaction apart from Christ is an elusive search. If we're seeking, if we're searching, if we're looking for satisfaction in this life and we're not bringing that to Christ, it's an empty, it's a futile search, it's an endless search. We will go on and on. You see, as people, we crave more and more. We want more everything, we want more anything, no matter what we have, whether it's money or possessions or recognition or sex or accomplishment or experiences, we still want more. And like Rockefeller, we've discovered that more does not satisfy us. When it comes to earthly things and earthly possessions, Many in this room have what you used to hope to have. You've reached a place of, in life financially. You've reached a place materially. You've reached a place in your marriage. You've reached a place with children and grandchildren. You've reached a place where you had hoped to be one day. And then you find yourself at that place and your goals like Rockefeller have changed and you're still wanting more. Some of you, you'd hoped if I could just get that particular car, or if I could get that home in that neighborhood, or if I could just get married, or someday if I could just have a family. There was always some distant goal that if we could hope to ever arrive at that point, if we could get to that point, then I would be happy, then I would be satisfied, only to arrive at those points in lives, recognizing that like Rockefeller, our goals have changed. The end zone has changed, and we never reach that point of satisfaction. And the reason for this, everybody listen to me, the reason for this is only Jesus can satisfy the longings of our heart. Only Jesus can fill the deepest need inside of us. The things of this world will come and go. They're all temporary, but there is one who is eternal. His name is Jesus Christ. And 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, out of love that we'll spend eternity trying to understand, he left the glory of heaven and came to earth to be born as a baby, to be born as a human, to come to be one of us, to take our sins upon himself, and once and for all, Jesus on the cross would pay the awful penalty for our sins and do for us what we could not do for all of ourselves. And yet, we leave this building today, and you'll go out into a world that's searching you go home and you turn on your television, you'll see commercial after commercial after commercial. Aren't you glad we can fast forward those now? <laughs> it's like I can't hardly watch anything live anymore. This is like, oh my goodness, these commercials. <laughs> Uh, but advertisement after advertisement, and it's the same thing on our devices. You know, you, you, you know, you, you know, half of what you see in your Facebook feed is an advertisement now. You know, and every website, how many times, you know, you go to a website and it's video pops up, click off that, uh, you know, another box pops up because they want my email address. It's all advertisement and it's all, uh, it's all there to tell us that you couldn't be possibly satisfied unless you have what we are offering. And that's the world that we live today that is trying to tell us you've got to have this, you've got to have this, and you deserve it, and you need it, and that kind of thing. And, 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 and yet we know that for us as Christ followers, Christ 
has truly met our needs. How many of you say, I've reached that point, I like, Jesus has met my needs. I met my needs. And, and yet we live in a time where we're influenced by the world around us and, and we have some wants. It's okay to want some things. I'm not saying that you can't want some things in life. We just got to make sure that those wants and those desires don't become more important to us than Jesus, everybody. Come on, I'm preaching the truth this morning. And so let's don't make those things, earthly things, an idol, thinking those things can satisfy us. And sometimes our wants become needs, and we say, I need that. <laughs> I need that. And the truth is, what we really need is Jesus. You know, all this searching is a search for Christ. All this seeking we see in our culture. And, and, and yet society doesn't always re realize that what they're seeking for, what they're longing for, what they're looking for, they don't always realize that it's a search for Christ, but only Jesus is the one that can satisfy us. It's my prayer that this Christmas that we find Jesus. It's my prayer that this Christmas season that you experience Christ in fresh and new ways. I hope that you can see the glory of Jesus this month. I hope you can see the majesty. I hope you can be filled with the wonder of the miracle of Christ's birth, of God coming to be one of us. I, I hope that you'll experience it. I hope you'll take time for it. I hope you'll make time for it. I hope you'll be a part of our church's Christmas experiences and you'll, you'll have times with your family and you'll do things to make sure that it's all about Jesus because a search for Christmas is a search for Christ. You ever try to find something in the dark? It's a whole lot easier to find something in the light than it is to find something in the dark. I just, you know, uh, you, ever, you ever laugh at yourself? You ever tell your story? I, I say, I don't need other people to crack me up. I can crack myself up. <laughs> Linda's like, what are you laughing at? I just told myself a joke. <laughs> you, know, just, you know. Years ago, Linda and I were pastoring a church in Los Angeles, and I was at the church one night. And I was in the auditoriums on a Saturday night. Oftentimes on Saturday nights, I would come to the auditorium. I was here last night praying over the service and getting ready for, for the day. Just kind of, I'd already prepared the sermon, but you got to prepare the preacher. You know what I'm talking about, everybody? And uh, I was at the church that night, and the, the lights went off. Just all of a sudden, the lights went off, and I was in the dark uh, at the church. And our church was two-story. We had a first story, second story, and then... And then above the second story was a large attic. I mean, so large that, uh, that I'm six foot two, I could walk through this attic. That's how large, large it was. And I, I don't know who wired this building. This building <laughs> was constructed in 1938. And, and, and whoever was a part of designing the building and putting the electricity in, put the breaker box in the attic. And I thought, well, the lights went off, and I started looking around, and I noticed on the second floor the lights were still on, so I thought it must be somehow a breaker must have tripped with that, that breaker box. And so I climbed the stairs to the second floor, sure enough, the lights were on on that floor, and then there's a little small set of stairs you go up, up into the attic, and the attic, of course, is all pitch dark, and I reach over to the light switch to turn the, the light on, and there, there was no light. The, the bulb had burned out in the attic. And so I, I did what we do. I reached into my back pocket to pull out my cell phone so I could use my flashlight. Aren't you glad your cell phone has a flashlight? And I realized I'd left my cell phone on the first floor. And I'm thinking, well, I know where the breaker box is, even though the attic is pitch dark. 
I'm pretty sure I can find it and open the door and fumble my way, feel through the breakers to feel like which one is flipped and which one is not. Is there anything more frightening than a church attic in its pitch black? Right? I, uh, our attic, I wish you could have, uh, could, could have seen it. You know, a church that was built in 1938. Churches are notorious for never throwing anything away. Let's just say we have a Christmas program and we go by and build a bunch of things. In our minds, we think we can't throw that away because someday we're going to use that again. But I can promise you, we never do. We never do. So 60 years of stuff is in that attic and there are boxes and stuff. piled. You could just imagine me fumbling my way through and then you hear a noise. What was that? You know, and that kind of kind of thing. And I, I, I just thought if I had only had one of these, if I had only had a light bulb, the difference one small light bulb would have made would have made all the difference. I wouldn't have been afraid of the noises in the attic. I wouldn't have tripped over the boxes and all the stuff that was in the attic that nobody ever threw away, the paint cans that have been there for 40 years and all the things that were there. If I had only had a light bulb, when was the last time you thought about light bulbs? Well, if you're like me, I don't ever think about light bulbs until a light bulb is burned out. And then I'm looking through the house, Linda, do we have any light bulbs? Where are the light bulbs? Where do we keep the light bulbs? I don't even know. Do we even have any light bulbs? And I found out we do have one this morning. We do have a light bulb. Can you imagine a world without light bulbs? Can you imagine a world without light bulbs? See, a light bulb provides illumination. It provides illumination. It provides a way for us to see. Jesus, the Bible says, is the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the of the world. Jesus has come so that we can see, not only see with our physical eyes, but that we can see in our hearts, that we can see in a spiritual sense who he is, that we can be able to see and understand that he is the way, the truth, and the light. Without Jesus, we are stumbling around in the darkness. Without Jesus, we're falling all over the things of this world. Everything gets in our way. It's a stumbling block. We're trying to feel our way. We're searching, trying to find uh, significance and happiness and fulfillment and identity and a approval and freedom. We're searching, looking, stumbling all over ourselves. But one day we met the light. We met Jesus and it opened up a world for us and illuminated our lives and helped us see and understand who he is. Oh, what a difference that it has made. Did you know that since the very first Christmas story 2000 years ago, that light has been an important part of the story. Now in Bethlehem, there were no strands of colored lights. 2,000 years ago. There were no elaborate decorations and displays that we might see in our neighborhoods today. But there was a light that night. There was a light that night. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, that on an ordinary night, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And then the Bible says, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Can I say it again? The glory of the Lord shone around them. The brilliance of not an artificial light, not the brilliance of a light bulb, not the, 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 the beauty of a strand of colored Christmas lights, but the glory of the Lord himself shone that night. 
And the Bible said they were terrified. Of course, we know that God used a bright star later on to lead the wise men to Jesus. And today, we still use lights this time of year, as you see evidence in this auditorium. And probably at your home is at Christmas time, you decorate with lights as well. You put lights on the tree in your home and you might even go outside and put lights on your home. And, and, and for 2000 years, we've been recreating light. And even today, we, we try to recreate the brilliance of that light, but nothing compares to the light of Jesus. By the way, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm a nerd for this kind of thing, but I'm a very curious person. So last night, uh, thank you for not saying amen when I said I was a nerd, but uh, <laughs> last night I was just curious because I, I saw a home in our neighborhood that had a lot of bulbs. Of course, my first thought is, boy, you're going to have a liquor bill. You know, that's, that's what I was thinking about. But I thought, man, that is a lot of lights. And I thought, I wonder... Is there a Guinness World Book of Records for the most Christmas lights on one home? And did you know there is? In fact, last year the record was, was broke. Someone beat the record. And probably this year somebody's out there trying to beat the record again. And there was a, a family in LaGrangeville, New York, and it took them two months to build the display on their home. Wait for it. The number of light bulbs, you ready? 687,000 lights at one home. I'm pretty sure you could see it from the International Space Center. I'm pretty sure. Today, what people are searching for is Jesus. And they're searching in the dark, fumbling their way through life, tripping through life, looking for something to satisfy, looking for something to give them meaning. But only Jesus can provide those things. How many of you can say, Pastor Lord, I know you're preaching the truth because that's my story. Anybody here today lift your hand? That's my story. I was searching for meaning, and then I found that only Jesus could give meaning. I was searching for purpose, then I realized only Jesus could find purpose. And I was trying to find freedom in my life and be set free from all these things that are controlling me. Then I realized only Jesus could bring freedom in life. And just like a light bulb brings light into a room, Jesus has come to illuminate our lives and our world. And can I tell you today, it's not the desire of God, it's not the will of God for you to live your life in darkness. It's not the will of God for you to live your life in despair and darkness and emptiness and addiction. That's not the will of God. And so this Christmas season, I want you to experience the light of Jesus. In John chapter 1, I want us to read a few verses of Scripture this morning. will not be lengthy, but I want to walk through this wonderful passage of Scripture to you. And I began to notice, and I've been through this passage of Scripture Many, many, many times this week. And I began to notice in this passage of Scripture how many times light is mentioned. In fact, these just few verses of Scripture, I noticed that Jesus is referred to as the light seven times in 14 verses of Scripture. Here's what it says. Here's what John says. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. That's what we're talking about this morning, Jesus being the light. He's the light to all mankind. Can I tell you, in the darkest regions of this earth, the most wicked places of this world, the places around the world where the gospel has not yet been proclaimed, Jesus wants to be the light to illuminate those dark places. Verse 5, John goes on to say, 
The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome. And I really love this verse of scripture. Let me, let me share it with you again. He says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And I know today that many of us as believers who have experienced the light, we decry the darkness in our world. And we look around in our world, we say, well, things just keep getting worse and worse. And we see evil. And I tell you, if you keep your head in the news headlines, you're going to get depressed pretty quick because it seems like it's a really dark world. But can I tell you on the authority of the word of God that the dark Darkness will not overcome the light. It will not overcome the light. John said this light is brought light to all mankind and the darkness will not overcome the light. This light cannot be extinguished. It cannot be turned out. This bulb will not burn out. This light will shine for eternity because this light is Jesus. Amen. Well, I'm having a good time this morning whether you are or not. Hallelujah. Verse number six, he says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is referring, of course, to John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not that light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. True light that gives light to everyone was coming. That's what John's talking to us about. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. This is a sad reality. Even though the world was made by him, he comes, and they didn't recognize him. Verse 11, John goes on to say, he came to that which was his own, and his own did not receive him. Jesus came to the Jewish people, and the Jewish people did not receive him. Verse 12, though, is so beautiful. He says, Yet to all who did receive him, yet to all who did receive him. How many of you in this room have received him? Come on, everybody, don't be ashamed. How many of you have received To all who did receive him. He goes on to say, to all who have believed in his name. How many of you have believed in his name? Let me see your hand. Come on, let's, let, let's, let, let's shout it out. To, to those who have received him and to all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. In verse 14, such a powerful verse, the word became flesh. Speaking of the incarnation, speaking of the God of glory that we sing about, coming to be born as a baby, the word becomes flesh, and he makes his dwelling where? With us. He makes his dwelling among us. I like the message paraphrase that says that the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. God came to live near to us. And then here it is. Here's the light. John says, we have seen his glory. Talking about his light. Talking about his radiance. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father. Full of grace and truth. Jesus is the light. I said Jesus is the light of the world. Approximately 700 years before the birth of Christ, the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament would speak prophetically through the instruction of the Holy Spirit. And he would say that Jesus is coming. A Messiah is coming. He said, right now we live in darkness, but there's coming a day that a Messiah is coming and he's going to light up the darkness. In chapter 9, verse 2 of Isaiah, the scripture says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. In chapter 42, verse 7, Isaiah prophesied of Jesus that he would be a light to open the eyes that are blind and to free captives from prison and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Jesus would be the light 
to those in the darkness. From the beginning of time, from the beginning of time, God would bring light to darkness. If you've read this book and you open it up, oftentimes in January we'll do this. We'll open it up and we'll start at the beginning. How many of you ever done that? Started at the beginning of the book. How many of you got to Leviticus and stopped? Come on, just <laughs> come on, be honest at church. Come on, everybody. No, no, no. We've got to tell the truth at church. You said, you know, I've been in the Old Testament a long time. I think it's time to read the New Testament. So you just swept over. And some of you never even read the rest of the Old Testament. You just... But the beginning of the book in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, and God said, let there be, what does it say? Let there be light. And there was. Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. And so this light, of course, here is a metaphor. Light around us, the light bulbs we see in this room, the lights you see here on the tree, they represent some things that give us a picture of who Jesus is and what Jesus has come to do. And I want to help you in the next few moments understand Jesus a little bit more. You see, what light does is light produces life. Where there is life... There is always light. Light produces light. You can plant your garden in your backyard. You can till the soil. You can plant the seed. You can put some water on it. But how many know that in darkness, your garden is not going to grow? It takes light. It takes sunlight for the produce to grow. It takes light. Light brings life. Jesus and in verse number four, speaking of Jesus, John says in John chapter one, in him was life. In Jesus is life. And that life was the light to all mankind. Later on in scripture, Jesus in his teaching would say, you need to be a light. And say, not only are we the salt of the earth, but we are the light to the world. We are the light to the nations. We are to go be a light. And he said, it wouldn't make sense if somebody had a light and then put it under a bowl and limited the impact or limited the radiance, the influence of that light. You wouldn't hide your light, in other words. You would let your light shine so that all could see. And we are instructed that we are to let, now that we have experienced that light and that light lives in us, to let people see that light. Because people you're working with tomorrow, they are living in darkness, many of them. And the people in your neighborhoods and the people on the little league teams and the people that you interact with in the community, many of them are still living in darkness. They have not experienced that light. But when they see that light radiating from your life, they go, man, there's something different. There's something different about you. Light produces life. Second, we see that light eliminates darkness. When you're in a dark room and you reach over and you flip that switch, you don't have to tell the darkness to flee. You don't even have to wait for the darkness to disappear. How many of you know that when the light appears, the darkness is gone? Light eliminates darkness. And in the Bible, when we re refer to darkness, oftentimes it's, it's talking about as a metaphor of the sin that's in our life or spiritual blindness. And the scripture talks about the fact that we couldn't see because it's spiritual blindness. We could see physically, but we couldn't see spiritually. We talk about those who have not yet put their faith and trust in Jesus and they can't understand the truth of the gospel. And why is that? And the scripture says the God of this age is blinded them. They're living in darkness. There, there's a spiritual blindness that's there. But John said in verse number five that light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not 
over comment. Light eliminates darkness. Light helps us see. You ever heard, turn on that lamp so I can see, right? Light enables us to be able to see. And because of the light, we can see things that were there all along. But because of the darkness, we couldn't see it. How many people, when they came to Christ and they put their faith in Jesus, they look back at their former life, their before Jesus life, and they say, well, what took me so long? Why couldn't I see it? Why couldn't I see it and I couldn't understand? Why couldn't I see then as I can see now? Jesus illuminates. I'm so thankful for the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I'm praying for my loved ones who don't know Christ. How many of you are praying for your loved ones that don't know Jesus? Never stop praying. Never give up praying and believing God. We're praying and the Holy Spirit is working in their lives to illuminate the truth of the gospel so that they can see and understand who God is. Verse 14, John said, the word became flesh and he made his dwelling among us. He says, now we have seen, we have seen. We've seen his glory. We've seen the glory of the one and only son who come from the father full of grace and truth. I love the way the Apostle Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. Look at it on the screen. He says, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed. Where? Where? In the face of Christ. In Christ we have this light. In Christ we have experienced the things of God. God has made his light shine in our lives. And oh, what a difference that it made some of you remember what it was like living in darkness. Some of you remember that life before Christ, when you were away from the Lord, when you lived in emptiness, when you lived in, in sin, and you lived in that place of shame and that place of guilt. But one day you experienced the light of Jesus and that changed everything for you. One final thing as the team comes to help us today, not only does light dispel the darkness, not only does it produce life, not only does it help us see, but light banishes fear. Light removes fear. Can I ask you kind of a personal question? I mean, this is all, we're all family here and no one's watching online, you know. So. Are you afraid of the dark? Not a hand in the room and a whole bunch of liars. In my curiosity, I showed you I was a nerd. In my curiosity, I began to do some research, and there's a lot of studies that have been done about what people fear, asking people, what are your fears? And we all have different fear of heights, fear of spiders, fear, you know, lots of, lots of fears, fear of death, fear of public speaking. You know, I, I heard one time um, that um, the, the, the number one fear that people have was public speaking, and the number two fear was death. So they're more afraid of public speaking than they are dying. I just, just I, I don't know. But usually in the top of those lists somewhere in the top 10 is a fear of the dark. And some of the studies, I found one study, these, this is, was asked of adults. One study said 29% of the, of the res, respondents, 29% of the adults in that study said they were afraid of the dark. Another study said 50%. Another study I said 64% of adults in that particular study said they were afraid of the dark. But when the light comes on, the fear disappears. It's just that 
inability to see. When there's light, there's a sense of safety. I know I'm okay because I can look around and I feel secure and, and, and there's no danger around me in the light, but in the dark, I can't see that. And so, so it causes us to be afraid. So many today in their lives in various ways, struggling with fear. We just came through a very powerful, very personal message series on mental health and emotional health. And if you missed any of those messages, you ought to go to our church YouTube channel. You ought to watch those messages. They really speak to where we are, speak to what we're going through. When we talked about loneliness and we talked about anxiety and talked about depression, many of those things have their roots deep in fear in our lives. And yet throughout the Bible that we read, over and over and over again, God says to us, don't be afraid. You're my child, don't be afraid. When the light comes on, the fear disappears. Over in chapter eight of John's gospel, verse number 12, I wish I had time to preach this, but in verse 12, it says, when Jesus spoke to the people, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And I tell you today, friend, Jesus wants to be the light in your darkness. Jesus wants to be the light in your darkness. Maybe there's darkness you feel in your family. Maybe there's a spiritual warfare that's going on, a spiritual attack. Maybe there's a darkness of discouragement or a darkness of despair. Maybe there's a darkness of fear of the future. Maybe there's an emptiness and a void inside of you. Jesus wants to be the light in your darkness. Maybe you've never experienced his light in your life. You know, this Christmas, the greatest gift you could ever experience, the greatest gift you could ever receive is, is meeting Jesus and knowing Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. The greatest gift is not the gift that's under your tree. Because a year from now, you're not even going to remember what it is. But Jesus is a gift. What a gift Jesus is. And maybe for some reason there's been some resistance in your life. You're just hesitant. You're just like, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not sure. Or maybe one day I'll get ready. I believe God brought you here because today's the day. Today's the day for God to turn that light on in your life. For the darkness to dispel in your life. To banish the fear in your life. To enable you to be able to see, to see things as they really are. Where there is light, there is no darkness. Jesus has come to illuminate your life and our world with himself. He doesn't have a light. He is the light. Jesus is the light. Biblically speaking, I think darkness is a life without God. And that was all of us at some point, a life without God. But by taking a step of faith and confessing Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord, and believing in him and believing the goodness of his death and resurrection, on the cross and not trusting our goodness, which will never be enough, but trusting his goodness, we can experience his light. And it's then that the darkness flees. I wonder if you'd stand all over this room today. With our heads bowed all over the room. You just hold steady, everybody, just for a moment. Can we bow our heads out of reverence, quiet our heart? What if you're here today and you've never experienced this light? 
Maybe you haven't experienced the light of Jesus. You've not experienced his grace and his mercy, his love and his forgiveness. Maybe you can honestly say, I don't know Jesus in a personal way. I know about him, but I don't have him in me. I don't know him personally. And I want to know him. And I'm willing to take that step of faith, Pastor Lauren. I'm willing to give Jesus a chance in my life. Maybe you've been running away from him. Maybe you know, you know the truth. You've seen the light, but you've kind of got caught up in this endless searching that we talked about in the world. And you've been looking and searching and you've been trying different things in this world. And you come to a point and you said, you know what, you're right. None of that satisfies. I got to stop running. It's time to experience the light of Jesus. If you're here today and you'd like to place your faith in Jesus Christ, make him your Savior and your Lord with our heads bowed, I wonder if you'd be courageous, sir, ma'am, if you'd be so courageous, young person, and lift your hand. No one looking around. Just lift your hand. I want to pray for you today. I'm not going to embarrass you, call you out, but I do want to pray for you. I see three people this morning, four, raising their hands, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Praise God. Do you know today's the day of salvation? Remember when you experienced the light for the first time? Oh, what a blessed, blessed day that was. Today's that day. Today, let me lead you in prayer. Church, you can pray along with me. Those of you who raised your hands with sincerity in your heart, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I want to experience your light. You are the light of the world. And I don't want to live in darkness. So I come to you this morning and place my faith in you. I believe you're the son of God. I confess that with my mouth. And I believe in my heart you died and rose again that's payment for my sins God you know I'm a sinner I offer my repentance come into my heart and life change me make me new and light up my world in Jesus name we pray amen amen can we give God praise this morning Let's give God praise, give God praise. When we conclude our service in just a few moments, our prayer team will join us in just a few moments, not yet, but just a few moments, they'll come forward as we conclude our service. And if you're one of those nine people that raised their hand, I wanna encourage you to take a next step. God's always asking us to take a next step. And I wanna invite you to come down as people are leaving, it's kind of quiet, and come down and meet with one of our prayer team members. Let them pray with you, tell them, let them know today I put my faith in Jesus. Ask them to pray with you. We want to come alongside you and journey with you. I want to encourage you to do that today. Before we leave the auditorium today, we want to share in communion together. And so I'd like to invite you, if you would at this time, please take the communion cup that you received when you came in this morning. You should have in your cup a wafer of bread and a cup of juice. One of the blessings, one of the blessings of coming to church in person is that we get to share in communion together. This is what church is all about. This is about togetherness. You know, you don't need to come to this building to get content. You can get content all day long on your phone. The best communicators in the world are online. You can listen to them. The best praise and worship teams are online. It's not about the content. Church is about community. Church is about togetherness. And so I love it when we have communion together and share together. I love it. And so if you'll open the bottom of your cup there, please, and take the piece of bread. In just a moment, hold it. We'll eat it together.
1 Corinthians chapter 11, we have the classic passage of scripture from the Apostle Paul giving instruction for having communion together. Paul wrote, for I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. That the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it. This is my body, which is for you. Do this or eat this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Here's a sober caution, a warning for us. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink the cup. It's a moment of soul searching, okay? So if you're here today and you know that you're living in willful sin, this is a moment God's giving you an opportunity just in your own heart before the Lord, a moment of confession and repentance before the Lord, before you take the bread, take the cup together. Communion, as Jesus instructs us, is about remembering Christ. And we remember Jesus this Christmas season, not just the wonder and the majesty and the miracle of his birth, but why he came. He came not just to be a baby, not just to be a person who could identify with their humanity, but Jesus was a baby who was born to die. Jesus came to die for your sins. Jesus came to die for my sins. Jesus came to be our substitute. He came to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. That's why Jesus came. And today, friends, he's worthy that we would remember him. I said he's worthy that we would remember him. He's worthy that we would live for him. He's worthy that we would serve him and love him. Amen, everybody. And so today, Father, we thank you for this opportunity to join together in holy communion. And in our hands, we hold this bread and this cup in remembrance of you. Can we take the bread together, everyone? Thank you, Lord, for your broken body. Thank you for your suffering on our behalf. We remember you, Jesus. We will not forget. We will not let our vision grow dim of the significance of the cross. Now, can we take the cup together, everyone? Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your blood that was shed for us. Thank you for your agony, for your suffering, for your willingness. Thank you for your love. We thank you, Jesus, that you've washed our sins away in the precious blood of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, this morning. There were nine people who raised their hands and said, I want to put my faith in Jesus. Thank you that your blood washed their sins away. Thank you, Jesus. We give you praise today. We give you glory. I'd like you to sing along with me this morning, everybody. Once again, thank you for joining us for today's podcast. Special thanks to those of you who give so generously to make this ministry possible. If God has put it on your heart to give, please visit our website at pacificchristian.net. And if you enjoyed today's message, please consider subscribing, sharing with your friends on social media, and giving us a rating in iTunes. This will enable us to expand our reach and share the message of Christ with more people. Until next time, God bless you.